0: You're listening to Dead Air Podcast, part of splatterpictures.net. What's up, everybody? Wes, Dead Air Knife here with... Always.
1: Typical Lydia.
0: Today's show going to be doing the 1987 fan favorite horror masterpiece, Nightmare on Elm Street, colon, Dream
1: Warriors. It's probably my favorite one. I'm not going to lie. You've said that
0: to me before about this being your favorite edition of the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. I would like to give you the floor. And just give me your thoughts, because I'm
1: dying to know. Well, of course, I was a little older when this came out, and I was a little closer to the age of the the people involved. And things had touched my life, like self-harm, suicide, not my life personally, but like I'd been around that sort of thing. It wasn't in the news, necessarily. It was the sort of thing that people learned and talked about amongst themselves and the children witnessed and didn't really have many people to talk about so it was neat to see that mistrust of parents replayed again on a stage that was a lot closer to me as far as age and things that i'd experienced unlike watching the first nightmare on Elm street and the music definitely it being what I understand, the first film to have a music video contained on the VHS.
0: That's absolutely correct. You're right. Yes. The
1: first video, aside from Michael Jackson's thriller, I guess, to be like a music, a horror music video and a, a song that was written for the, sh- the show. And I hadn't been a Dawkins fan before that, but boy, was I ever after. It was unprecedented. Unprecedented for the
0: idea of mirroring this film and a music video Blending them together into one thing because they shot additional. It's not as though a lot of times in soundtrack albums, they show clips from the movie, of course, but there's no additional scene shot. There's additional scenes shot for that and video.
1: I like the very end of the Dokken video where Freddie wakes up from the nightmare. parents. It's a nightmare.
0: Oh, my gosh. That's fucking hilarious. And that's where you fall in love with. Robert England, just the ham that he is. Like, just wanting – yeah, I'll put on the makeup. I'll sit for, like, eight hours while you put this makeup on so I can have a couple of scenes and just be Freddie.
1: I was a burgeoning artist at the time, too. So I really could relate to, um, you know, coming like locking horns with your parents, staying up super late, drinking coffee, like, stupid amounts, and just wanting to stay up till four in the morning creating or whatever it was that I was doing – uh, reading encyclopedias.
0: Popsicle set, stick houses. Cover, and popsicle stuff.
1: stick house, <clears throat> Decorated with my favorite bands <laughs> at the time, which was probably Megadeth and Metallica. Oh, so, hell yeah.
0: Yeah. Hell
1: yeah. It definitely spoke to me on a lot of those levels. Um, I had my, my grandmother taking care of psychiatric patients, so I'd spent time in the psychiatric hospital uh, visiting and returning them and uh, accompanying my grandmother when she'd take them for doctor's appointments. People I know had committed suicide or been in the mental institution. There was a foster home nearby where a lot of my friends lived. Well, like a transient friends because they were in and out of those homes, unfortunately. And some of them had been in and out of psychiatric institutions or was their it parents like a halfway house? Or? No, it was a foster home. It was oh, okay, just a foster okay. home. But they did have a high turnover because they seemed to take troubled youth. So I was very in tune with a lot of what these kids are going through so yeah it, it did speak to me on a lot of levels and flash forward like six months after this came out uh the band dawkin was on a late night radio station i guess it was airing about two in the morning was an interview with them about their upcoming album into the fire and i remember staying up late for that and just how that mirrors uh the having to stay up late not wanting to go up, go to sleep or anything it was pretty cool i also did ha- i was plagued by nightmares I had uh, recurrent nightmares as a kid, so it all did not really speak to me.
0: I didn't see Dream Warriors until much later. I mean, by the, well, when listen, when this movie came out, I was four. Yeah. So I wasn't really around, but or well, I was certainly wasn't gonna be watching Dream Warriors. But when I saw Dream Warriors for the first time, and and again, I need to emphasize to people this was in a point of my life. Where it was very much a horror vacuum for me. I was not using the internet. The internet was not what it was today. I didn't know any other horror fans, so I didn't have people whispering in my ear saying, "Oh, we gotta watch this." Or I didn't. What, I didn't even have people that were willing to watch this stuff with me. My mother, sure, but you get to a, a certain age where you don't want to be like hanging around watching movies with your mom all the time. You, you just you want to do stuff on your own. So watching these movies by myself. And much like with the Friday the 13th movie where I would just gain my own genuine impressions from things without, you know, anything. Not even like issues of fango or stuff like that.
1: It was a very organic way of your discovering these things and then making decisions. Not because someone told you to or because you you read a Wikipedia article that referenced a bunch of stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, Very organic decisions to like, I'm going to sit down and and devour Mm -hmm. these. Or when Mm -hmm. this is having a run on late night TV, I'm going to make a point of...
0: Yeah. Finding the time and, to to and it was, consume this. It was really that. It was it was is definitely trolling the uh the TV guides mm-hmm. uh, to to know when certain horror films.
1: High 5s to the TV guides. Yeah, yeah. Not pe- like I'm in the industry or anything. Yeah. I mean, like <laughs> trust in your T V guides is like a Bible for yeah. emerging horror fans.
0: It's true, especially a little description, especially if there was a horror fan curating what is uh, put – in the TV Guide.
1: You can thank me for deleting Hot Tub Time Machine from your Halloween lineups this year, folks. Um, and speaking of Halloween lineups and the TV Guides, it is booming right now. So, I mean, if you don't have access to, like, the Nightmare on Elm Street that we just covered or the Nightmare on Elm Street 3 that we're covering right now, I'm sure they're coming on television.
0: Yeah, AMC or something is probably going to be doing a marathon of a bunch of them, although they tend to stick to Halloween and Friday the 13th. I don't really remember them really doing... Nightmare on Elm Street too often but that and and I saw a lot of these on TV but my genuine first impression of Dream Warriors was oh this is the the uh Friday the 13th part six of Nightmare on Elm Street to me what that means is it was like the fun one it was it was
1: it was at at the end of the day it's really not like it is very gory it is very very dark but it has a semblance of fun, and mm-hmm. Freddy gets funner,
0: and and it's a better story, uh, frankly speaking. Than um, like for example, in the previous episode, you guys you understood that the first one that I saw was Wes Craven's New Nightmare, and then I saw Freddy, uh, 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 excuse me, Freddy's Dead, which is part five, and then I saw the original one, and then I would have seen Dream Warriors next so you go from two films that are quite serious one is is pretty meta and out there yeah the other one is a pretty straight horror story but it's very serious freddy's dead is like a cartoon mm-hmm. it, it's it's so weird and it has an interesting story i like the idea of of the last elm street kid and, and that kind of stuff but this appealed to my comic book loving brain. And now thinking about it, of all of the Nightmare on Elm Street that exist, if I ever were to ever, if I ever were to write without knowledge of anything about Nightmare on Elm Street, let's say that the only one that existed was the first one. If someone ever asked me to write a story about Friday the 13th, or, or sorry, Nightmare on Elm Street, it would be very similar to dream warriors because the idea of being able to take control of your dreams being what you want to be in an, in a dream having powers like there's a nerdy kid playing an offshoot of D, like it's got so many things in it that appeal to a young version of myself i think that it is, it is just um you know people this is a fan favorite for most people and for some people this is their favorite horror movie and it's the third of something
1: yeah that's buck wild to me it is and it's just tied with four as well Mm -hmm. which is crazy again
0: yeah people love 4 i'm not like you know like you know there's other additions listen Every one of these movies is someone's favorite movie. There, I know people that will go to the end of the earth telling you that a certain one of them, but... Freddie just,
1: Stedden or um even Jason versus Freddie.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's lots of people, like, you know, that's a perfect example of, like, I really like that film. You really don't. So, you know, like, there's different interpretations of all this media. But, I mean, just, my God, the sheer number of people that love DreamWorks, rightfully so. Like, I'm not even saying that, like, I can't believe they like the the dog of the series. That's... Not what I'm saying at all. I agree. It's a fantastic film. And uh, and you'll be hearing it again and again as we watch this film.
1: Oh, there's probably somebody this season covering um, Freddy 2 that is saying, you know, this is my favorite because I was a footballer or because I had this sort of reaction with bullies or all of the reasons somebody would really hinge on to part two. Um, but it just didn't win. It didn't win the polls. It didn't this win one of the polls. Yeah, I by a landslide too. Like we were talking earlier about our numbers. Mm-hmm. You had how much percentage, sir? It,
0: it was a sixty-nine percent in favor of Dream Warriors.
1: I had eighty, a much smaller crop mm-hmm. uh, in my cross section. Uh, of voters but and i'm sure people got to double vote and that's why i had a poll as well because Mm -hmm. i wanted to let people double vote for three Mm -hmm. basically um but yeah you had a pretty good turnout on the poll really good uh numbers i think so that is pretty indicative of between two and three who likes what
0: yeah what our audience wants and like like I said, if we were doing Freddy's Revenge, I'd love to talk about the idea about how I love that it's a possession story. Yeah. Like, and I think that that is such a clever idea. And I know some people they don't like that. They don't like that Freddy enters the real world towards the end and you lose something there. I've heard the complaints. Uh, and
1: there's a lot of questionable possession of that Freddy does in other movies as well. Exactly. So, but where, where you're always sort of like, did he possess that person, or is that person a construct of Freddy entirely? Is mm-hmm. that person just Freddy? Is the home monitor in Part One of Freddy? Mm-hmm or Mm -hmm. possessed Mm -hmm. Um, but you get a very clear answer to that in part two
0: yeah and and the the practical effects alone into are mind bending mind bending that emergent sequence is great it's so fucking cool and
1: like all Freddy's, it's highly imaginative as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's just it. Mm-hmm. So like, I would have no problem. And I'll tell you right now, like one day, we'll we'll hit it. We'll hit it one day. Maybe it, it might be a few years, but like, we'll hit it eventually.
1: Yeah, it's on the list.
0: Yeah. So we'll definitely hit that. But for now, we are going to be doing Dreamweavers, And you know the old hat. You know the routine. Lydia's not happy. I'm super energetic. That means it's got to be a commentary track.
1: Yeah, it is. and I. But I can cope. You know, I've been looking forward to it. Like I said in the last episode for a couple of weeks, I've wanted to sit down and watch this. Mm-hmm. I was going to sit down and watch it. I was going to even take notes. What's the fucking point? It's a stupid, stinking commentary track. So I could just sit here and yammer on.
0: <laughs> I am um, this time this year. Every time, gang, we do this, I get super anxious that i'm not watching the movie typically speaking just so you know we sit down we watch the movie together lydia and i very rarely and i'll never tell you which fucking ones we don't sit and watch the movie together very rarely very Very rarely rarely. i i can count on one hand probably but when i know that i should probably i listen i don't want to like i haven't seen i hadn't seen dream warriors in a while so i didn't want to be like uh what's happening here wait who's this guy like i don't want to be that fucking idiot um, this is a Halloween special, so I'm gonna try. But I get super stressed out about wanting to watch these movies, and every single time that I do before the before we we record the show, I have the exact same reaction. Five to ten minutes into the movie, I'm like, I didn't need to rewatch this movie. No,
1: <laughs> no, no, no. I know. I sometimes rewatch movies in the week preceding, even if it's something that I know very, very well or something that's very new to me, just so that I don't feel lost, or that if we get into a conversation while we're watching it, because it is one half watching the movie, and we're both movie watchers and like to sit and watch and enjoy and think.
0: Yeah, we sit very quietly when we watch movies. It's we adorable. do
1: once in a while. If it's something that we've seen a lot, we do. We could have we could hit record while we're watching it sometimes mm-hmm. because we do talk through it because um it's issues ideas themes that we're that we're working out verbally and doing our show note prep while we're watching it sometimes um but i held off i didn't watch it this week so mm-hmm. i'd watched it so many times as a teen though so many times this is one of those like recycling rentals that i would mm-hmm. go and just rent when there was nothing else to rent
0: i've seen i've seen the uh the first Nightmare on Elm Street far more often than I've seen uh, Dream Warriors because, like I said in the previous episode, it is my favorite. Mm-hmm. But, um, so when I watched Nightmare on Elm Street this week, I bet you it hadn't even been a year since I had watched it last. So, uh, because I definitely don't go a Halloween season without watching a good chunk of the the Nightmare films. Like how I don't go through summer without watching, uh... uh Nightmare Or, or Friday the 13th. 13th. Uh, now I'm getting them all confused. Yeah, and, uh... And yeah, so it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a good time. I'm pretty fucking excited. But if you guys want to watch along with us, what we do is we got the screen going right now. We got that red New Line Cinema across the page or the the TV page on a book. And uh, I'm going to count down from three and we are going to go and then we're off and running and uh, you're not going to hear it because we don't want to get sued. And also that would be very distracting.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And this is our our idea of a commentary track. You don't need to be watching along because we do annoyingly yammer through the entire film. Uh, so it is much like it ends up much like a normal episode. So don't be alarmed if this is your first rodeo, which it shouldn't be, but whatever. You never know.
0: Maybe they're just like, listen, I don't what are these commentary tracks? I don't wanna do this. And but now they're like, Okay, Dream Warriors. Yeah. I'm in for that. And I've had that reaction from people. So often fans say, Listen, I see the I see it. Like I I see you posting, I, I do stuff and I just don't listen to the episodes. But then when you hit on a movie that, that, I I re- that I love, that yeah. I have to listen to. And a lot of the complaints, is like, well, I don't know some of the movies that you, you review. I'm like, you don't need to. You don't need to.
1: Better watch them and then come back. Yeah, and come
0: back. You know what the best thing about podcasts, Lydia? Mm-hmm. They're never going anywhere. They just sit there.
1: Yeah, they do. They do just
0: sit there. Like and a book on a shelf.
1: Yeah. It's a giant repository of information. Mm-hmm. But yes, I'm very happy. I haven't watched this in a couple of years. Like I've watched it. Maybe I was just trying to figure out when last time I watched it probably two, three years ago on a whim.
0: All right, I'm pumped. Cool. I'm gonna start counting down from three. Please do. And three, two, one, and we're off and running. I always forget that the new line cinema logo was that because I'm always like the the the
1: new the, the, one the, with the, the like little film like iconized film instead of like something that looks more closer to the old Vestron video. Mm.
0: Love that Edgar Allan Poe line. It's so classy. just seems classy. It's like, oh, we're setting it up.
1: It wants to make you believe that it's more classy than the other two.
0: Yeah, maybe. They're like, oh, this is a thinking man's. Now, Wes Craven did a run of this script, but uh, this is not his final word on it. I think he got production credit on this. And this is the most exciting aspect of it for me. Heather Langenkamp is back as Nancy. She wasn't in two, but she's back in three. Which I love. I like that. Like, this is like the casual Lawrence Fishburne. He's like, Larry, call me Larry Fishburne.
1: (laughs) I don't blame him. It's a pretty casual fucking movie.
0: Yeah, for sure. The every when I was in high school, I had to do a a presentation in English class about any author that I wanted to, provided that they had an autobiography in our school library. I picked Dr. Seuss. And as you you could either go into the presentation embodying the character, or you could make a prop. I decided to make a cat and the hat hat out of uh, paper mache. Fucking sounds like And um and so when I was sitting there in the basement making this awful awful thing that you this know
1: an awful awful thing
0: this awful awful thing, I just kept like, oh my god, I'm exactly like Patricia Arquette
1: in dream warriors it's a hobby man it's something to do that'll keep you awake that's for sure and it's cheap i guess every uh pantry has some flour in it maybe this is like
0: like if richard Dreyfus had popsicle sticks he would have made that yeah in in close encounters as opposed to like uh, making out of potatoes she does a pretty good job with this i like it
1: she does do a really good job and it's it's Often I've thought, you know, it would be a fun hobby to remake this.
0: Oh, my God. That would be yeah. such a fun thing to do.
1: I think it would be fun. And I didn't realize the music was by Angelo Badlamenti. Mm-hmm. I did not realize. Mm-hmm. He's one of my favorite composers, really, truly.
0: You know why? It's because so much of this film is like uh, you forget about the score. Because like, the thing that everyone mm-hmm. remembers <laughs> Is that song?
1: Big spoonful of ground oh coffee God. and a big muffle of Diet Coke. So, mm. is, is that
0: what you could relate to? Like, Team Lydia? Yeah. Like, just a
1: scoop <laughs> it full of as coffee? Except it was Jolt because I was fucking <laughs> begging for pain or something. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it, the amount of coffee I drank as a kid.
0: Oh, yeah. You're just eating it out of the bowl like some kind of monster.
1: The best was to take a spoonful of coffee. It wasn't Maxwell House and so my house. It was Folgers, and uh, peanut butter. Mix them together and eat it.
0: I think we were a Folgers house too. Yeah. It was the best part of waking up. Here comes Party Mom.
1: Party Mom is right. Like digging that dress, man. You can tell this is still stuck in the '80s on oh my so God, many right? levels.
0: Yeah, it's like sometimes when I've watched like old sitcoms on uh, uh, TV and stuff, I would just be like, the characters would be dressing up to go out. I'd be like, good lord, what are they
1: wearing? And with things, you know, fashion being cyclical, Mm -hmm. I would wear some of what she's wearing right now. Even me, you know, with the pink, you know, flashy foil pink. Mm -hmm. Uh, I like her little shrug. It's a black fur shrug. It's pretty cool. I would Mm -hmm. wear that.
0: Now, again, that we're doing this absentee, uh, parent thing because her mom, uh, her, uh, their, their dad, their parents got divorced, uh, just like Nancy's parents in the previous film. And, um, the, and then, you know, her mom's like out on a date and her dad, and the, the boyfriend, her boyfriend, or her date, or however you want to call it, is like, where's the bourbon? <laughs> yeah, it seems, uh, let me ask you this. When did the house old fourteen twenty-eight when did that door change from blue to red because in my mind it's a red door. But in the first movie it's blue.
1: Yeah. I don't know, we'd have to watch part two and yeah, like pay maybe attention.
0: maybe if maybe if the if the house is there. Right, because because that's the whole thing. He moves into the old house. Mm-hmm. Mm.
1: That or it was just in this incarnation. Oh, yeah. Maybe, the, maybe having a red painted door means something that we don't know. Like having a sheep's blood on it or, you know, a, a letter.
0: It's possible.
1: I love this scene. This is the stuff of nightmares. Not like the whole franchise isn't the stuff of nightmares. But mm-hmm. these chanting children. The slow motion the drab exterior of a abandoned haunted house
0: and the 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 set design on the house is just so incredible
1: it really is
0: like every you can look at every inch of this house and there's just like so much character in it for stuff that's just it's background it's just background
1: maybe they changed the color of the door to match, to go with the, the green roof, so it's the green and red Freddiness.
0: Oh, maybe. So Like it's uh, basically it's supposed to be like, oh, no, this is this is a house at the epicenter of uh, Freddy Krueger's power now for some mm-hmm. reason. Maybe it's because where the glove was uh, kept.
1: That's what I think, too. And that's what I think was spawning all of the nightmares to begin with in the first one.
0: Mm-hmm. It's such an interesting transition, right? There's these hints in this house that make it so unnatural like that basement door is this thick iron door with bolts in it down to oh I don't know, a boiler room. There's yeah. not a door that you would see leading to someone's basement no,
1: basement No, it's a like a, the school boiler room very much.
0: Mm-hmm. Such a creepy line. This is where he takes us. That's so fantastic.
1: The uh, giant stack of bones I have outside in the brazier, is, is, that's sort of what I was going with. That's not really accomplished. Mm-hmm. I definitely need a couple skulls in the burning area in the backyard, but...
0: I love, like, <laughs> like, bangs that kid's head into something.
1: Scene like this is what made me want to do Coffin Baby so badly, because there was a scene very similar.
0: Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Very, very cool.
1: See, this is more of what I'm talking about with Running Through Muck. They, mm-hmm. they nail it here. It's like they needed a do-over.
0: Yeah, I think that, like, now, looking back in the stair sequence in the first, this is so fucking good. Like, that slow motion with Freddy's arm up like that, it's so awesome. So awesome. Um, it, What I was saying was, like, I think, like, you know i love the sequence with nancy getting stuck on the stairs in the first movie but i mean it's kind of well lit and you can definitely see where there where the 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 movie magic is happening right in these very specific parts so it kind of, it's like oh i see that looks kind of fake and it doesn't it hasn't aged incredibly well but um yeah i do agree that this is just it just looks a little bit better because it's just a random muck floor like it's not specific parts of the stair and
1: she's running and running and running mm-hmm. like in in place and not being able to move very taps into that like the different levels of not being able to run or move or being stuck or having leaded feet in dreams that many people have
0: mm-hmm. well i tell you you know I, I'm, I'm usually not like a practical effects snob or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the biggest problems I had with, uh, with the Nightmare in Elm Street remake was just, and, and, uh, uh, like, it is just the fact that, like, there's no charm. All of, like, these bathroom appliances growing knives and, like, it's all there. You know what I mean? And so, like, and even if certain scenes haven't aged as well as you'd want them to, um, it's just so much nicer to just look at real stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, to me, the, 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 the remake just seems so synthetic to me.
1: That are not just a suggestion of things. Not using shadow play so heavily. Using really crazy practical effects.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, here we are.
0: Very very young Larry Fishburne. Very young. Very young.
1: Hasn't aged a today? He still looks great. Oh, he looks fantastic
0: these days, Jesus, Yeah, I know. I think that... Um, this is very like the the idea of this all taking place, and uh, it's because it's like a, it's a mental ward, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. It's very cool. I like the idea of like these collected troubled kids and stuff.
1: Last time I was in a psychiatric facility, it was not unlike this. are more narrow hallways, and the place has being demolished since. But the uh, TV room was pretty much exactly like this TV room that they have mm-hmm. here, the common area.
0: This is, like, a pretty nice way to introduce, like, a vast majority of the characters just, like, all running through the hallways.
1: Or shivering in the corner in the rubber room. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: It's, like, getting thrown in the hole, I guess. The quiet room.
1: There was one in the um, psychiatric hospital in North Bay called The Bubble, so it was similar to that. It was, like, a rubber room. But the window so that the physicians could look in and make sure that they see all corners of the room the window was convex into the room so there was like a bubble and they would they would refer to it as the bubble kind of creepy though when you're sitting in a room like that i'm sure to have a doctor's head poke right through the door especially if you're having a real a real bad mental breakdown how surreal that would be
0: um Patricia Arquet or Kristen in this scene uh this is where you first like really notice that her scream is crazy like she has such um it's very unique like i've it's it's high pitched yet not grating on the nerves
1: kind of soothing kind of soothing no. like but sounds. also it
0: has like a stuttering to it like it's not a very clear vocalization it's very... like it
1: would be nails on a chalkboard if it wasn't raspy yeah, yeah
0: yeah, this rhyme I love it so much I remember being so proud of myself when I was like oh I know all the words to the rhyme and I'd sit there and I'd sing it to myself I get proud of myself for very mundane things oh yeah
1: with even better hair
0: with even better hair the gray is on the opposite side now you notice that?
1: Oh, continuity.
0: Yeah, continuity era. Also, I love that, you know, this movie really only came out a couple of years later, and they definitely did their best to try to make Heather Langenkamp look as old as possible. Even though, you know, to me, it kind of seems like a very young woman trying to look very, like, much older than she is. Like, you're, they're probably trying to be like, well, wow, she's well into her 20s by now, and surely the shock of gray hair it gives the illusion of age and stuff like that but um. but
1: it's the tailored suits and the very serious like mm-hmm. shell the very serious exterior mm-hmm. that makes her think yeah you're, you're like she's 35 all of a sudden yeah yeah somehow.
0: yeah because yeah, she's only uh the actor um i j- just so happened to to look this up recently she's only four years older than patricia arquette yeah yeah yeah
1: Patricia Arquette's a really baby face, though, too. Mm-hmm. Probably cast for that reason.
0: I like the idea of like Dr. Gordon just like picking up her bottle of prescription pills and just staring at it. If, if somebody drops prescription pills, would you really just be like?
1: I'd look to see what they're on. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm not that nosy because I don't generally care. But, I mean, I would glance at it. But he is a doctor, so he's going to, like, see what is she on. Mm -hmm. It was just something that the kids say to keep the boogeyman away, she says, about the nursery rhyme. Which, again, leads me to believe, is this something that all of the kids in town seem to know? Or is it something you can only learn from those little children in the dreamland?
0: It is, um, it's hard to say,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but, and, and at this point, do we know that everyone in that psych ward is Elm Street Kids, or is that not, like, spoilers for anyone who has ever seen this movie, but, like, we don't know that yet, right? No. The, the, the ghostly uh, nun, nurse nun, is, um, when you first watch this film, it's, like, the weirdest aspect of it. To me, ironically, we're talking about, like, a dream ghost Killing teenagers. Uh, and that's and, not weird at all. No, right. but the second they're just like, what are we doing? Ghosts here? What's going on? Who's that? An like,
1: actual ghost?
0: An actual yeah. ghost? Ridiculous. <laughs> Good old Philip. I think I'm um, I, I just like, this is Philip. We call him the Walker. I'm like, oh, my God. Don't give people weird nicknames. <laughs>
1: I love these marionettes, and I will always, always want a Freddy Krueger marionette.
0: You know, Neca released a a big Freddy Krueger, like it's like from the movie. Mm, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> Pictures of cars, muscle cars, and and women and rappers on his wall. Of course, well, I he want got to typecast Kincaid too badly.
0: Yeah, he's got um, bodybuilders. I guess he's like into bodybuilding or something like that. Mm-hmm. I know originally the script had called for like a really muscular guy to play the role or whatever. Got a teardrop tattoo on this guy. Uh, not a tattoo. He's, not a tattoo he, he, yeah. he's just drawn it on. Doesn't that mean that he's like, killed someone in prison or something like that?
1: It would, but I mean, in here, with a mute, it would mean that he's not in a good mood. (laughs) It's like the opposite of a pickbook. He's the living pickbook. Since he's mute, Joey needs to put, like, a tear on to let people know how he's feeling.
0: Joey is so cute.
1: He is pretty cute. He is pretty
0: cute. Yeah. He has aged into an adorable man. Oh, yeah? Oh, my God, yes.
1: (laughs) An adorable man. (laughs) So this has been going on for some time. Her mother has spent thousands on psychiatrists.
0: And it is that, right? It's this highfalutin member of the Elm Street elite, I suppose, where she would have. Um, I've definitely known parents like this who were uh, friends of mine whose parents were very well off, who definitely put that at the forefront when they're dealing with kids in crisis or, or something like that they'll always talk about the money that they've spent to try to fix them mm-hmm. um, which was always an interesting pull to me like that is somehow like we spent thousands of dollars that, to, that should communicate everything you need to know about that type of thing when it really doesn't because you know um, she's spending money to get to the bottom of why her daughter is acting this way as opposed to oh I don't know listening to a single word that she's saying
1: yeah or believing her when she does.
0: Yeah. Which is fascinating to me. It's fascinating, you know, when you're dealing with kids that she thinks is having a suicide attempt, is telling that somebody's after her, trying to tell her something in a life that's scaring her, and it's like, well, I don't know what you're talking about, so. Oh, there's some high-tech scenes going on right now.
1: The height of technology.
0: Oh, my God. Well, this guy is just pouring over his DOS
1: The closest we'll get to a library scene or a microfiche scene, I guess, for now. It's interesting that you say that because that is something that
0: I feel is like, listen, you have the benefit of a lot of people being. It's not like Freddy died so long ago that everyone involved is dead. Um, So you don't really need a library scene. A lot of it is word of mouth, but they always seem to find people. That just tell you what happened, as opposed to, like, you don't need to go to, like, microfiche or anything like that. But I'd like that.
1: A microfiche scene? in this, Yeah.
0: I like microfiche scenes in anything. I know you do. Yeah. yeah. I know you
1: do. But that is, you know, that's good standing for it. He's looking up what drugs she's on.
0: Yeah, I know. It's a dream suppressant. Are there really uh, pills that do that?
1: Probably. There's Mm. pills that do everything.
0: Yeah, that's true. It just seems like such a weird thing to be able to stop doing. I don't know anything about chemically what
1: happened. I I could believe a dream suppressant over top of like um, something that stops you from ovulating. I mean, that seems like voodoo (laughs) compared to dream suppressant. (laughs) Dream suppressant, I think you just knock yourself out to a certain point and you're not going to dream.
0: I love this sequence. The little tricycle with the blood trailing behind it.
1: I do too. I do too. Very iconic.
0: Oh my God. It's so good. I wonder how many tries it would have taken to get that right, and then how many times, like, uh, someone had to go and clean the floor again.
1: Well, after the bike melts, I think that was the end of that.
0: (laughs) That's so cool.
1: Unless they had four tricycles on on set just to play with.
0: That's what I'm talking about. You you know, that pan out was very Sam Ramey-esque, right? It
1: was, and he's thanked in the first ones. There's definitely some sort of, like, you know, homage to these other filmmakers that yeah. were making similar films before and during.
0: Apparently, uh, in Bruce Campbell's book, If Chins Could Kill, he talks about the fact that like Sam Raimi had purposefully put a Hills Have Eyes poster in the cabin, and he did that because when you watch the Hills Have Eyes, there's a torn Jaws poster in it, and that was Wes Craven saying oh, you guys thought Jaws was really scary. Well, here's something that, like, I'm shredding the Jaws poster in this movie because it's even scarier. And so Sam did that. And then that's how come Nancy's watching Evil Dead in the first Nightmare movie because that was Wes Craven being like, oh, well, here's her falling asleep to your scary movie. And then in Evil Dead 2, Sam put a Nightmare on Elm Street poster in the cabin, all torn up. So, like, it's just, like, this weird little Well,
1: I see you. Yeah, I see yeah. you, see me, see you. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to see a documentary on movie posters and movies because mm-hmm. I'm always looking at them.
0: Oh my god. I remember as a kid, like that um movie poster was like, Why is that there? Why is that
1: there? So here we have some, some interesting fun scene, huh? Um every time I see slat and plaster walls, it <sighs> reminds me of this house. Every time I see giant sandworms, I, I think of Freddy. This is
0: one of like, what we, I know last movie, uh, last movie we were talking about like this is such an iconic scene, blah blah blah, and that this is one of those scenes that man, people always talk about this. It's,
1: it was the most unbelievable thing, you yeah. know. At this point in horror filmmaking, like, I'd never seen anything quite as grand or quite uh, that interacted with the actor on that level, oh. right?
0: Oh, there's Nancy in her chill clothes. That's where all the pastels come out. She's like, no more suits for me.
1: (laughs) Dress like a teenager again. Yeah, this
0: is where she's like, oh, she looks like a teen again to Mm me. Oh, that's a good shot, too. This is, like, Nancy coming here, fucks it. Like, it's such a freaky scene. Uh, Scott, who wrote Scott's Horror Corner, this was one of the scenes that he put in his little piece about scenes that freaked him out the most as a kid. Oh, yeah? And that's from the perspective of, like, a pretty much a non-horror fan, right? And, yeah, looks so great.
1: He looks straight from the sewer. What a horrible, horrible thing. Yeah, yeah, best worm award goes to Freddy Krueger. Um, So many mirrors die in the making of this film.
0: You know, it really goes to show you about, like, how people like this perception of mirrors as doorways, right? Yeah, She
1: should have confronted her the first time she saw this house.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And you know, this is how you do it. You know, one of the things, I think, I wish more people in Hollywood would watch this film and to know how you really pass the baton for you wanna you want to get rid of your old yeah. actors you want to start something new you don't have to reboot it do this like you have nancy here everyone loves her and now now she gets introduced to kristen you're gonna love kristen yeah and and then you could do more movies with kristen i mean they throw that in the furnace but
1: well, she's through the furnace. It's not their fault necessarily, but like they tried. But, um, and they are very different people. It's mm-hmm. not just like a rehashing of the old character mm-hmm. or a really hard left turn with, or with a re- reboot at all.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All the Elm Street kids gathered in a mm-hmm. neat little circle.
0: This is where like everybody tells you, uh, like, you know, they're a little stories about themselves. Good old Will. It's one of my favorite uh, characters in this film.
1: Some neighbor um, boys played a lot of D&D and Mm. reminded me of him very, very much.
0: Mm -hmm. As you know, I am a certified dungeon master, so.
1: (laughs) Jennifer was supposed to be 14 years old.
0: Really? In the the script, yeah. mm -hmm.
1: 14. So, so young. That's Mm -hmm. probably about that age. Watching
0: this, I guess. Yeah, 14. You know, poor old Joey doesn't talk. Um, Jennifer uh, uh, burns herself with cigarettes. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Taryn. Is Taryn short for something?
1: I don't think so. The only other Terran I knew was just a Terran. It was spelled slightly different. I knew a Terrell as well. Mm
0: -hmm. This is um, uh, a good uh, plot point here to getting all these kids together. They know that they're having similar dreams, but they have decided that what it is is a... A mass, a mild mass hysteria, uh, hysteria like a group hypnosis or something like that, right? Seems uh like so assured of what this is. Psychology changes so much, right? Like it's my dick that's killing me.
1: I fucking love that one so much. It is a good line. I like the deep play with sexuality a little bit. Like, in the other one, it's just that this threat of the child murderer. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're, you know, left to imagine what it was that he might have been doing, even though there was no overt sexuality in that film. It's just you're taking your own fears, or as a young girl, being told about predatorial men. Mm-hmm. In this one, it's, it's kind of all over the place as far as the allusions to sexuality and then you get the gut punch of him being the uh, bastard son of a hundred maniacs Mm. which brings a whole different level of unwanted Mm -hmm. human sexuality and sex drive to the mix
0: anytime you have a good game going (laughs) like taryn left the only other person there was joey what, what could you do with, like, you can't do Dungeons and Dragons, or this isn't Dungeons and Dragons, to be fair. It's like an off-brand. Like, they probably wanted to do Dungeons and Dragons, and Gary Gygax was like, not on my watch.
1: More kids staying awake, having mm-hmm. to stay awake, trying hard to stay awake, doing what they can to stay awake. Mm-hmm. Whether it comes from substance abuse, self-harm, or just... I don't know, old fashioned staying up in this.
0: <laughs> now, uh, the character of Joey being mute, that was due to like a trauma that he'd suffered, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And now he doesn't talk much, they say.
0: Yeah. Good old Springwood. Dr. Gordon, Neil.
1: I never, like,
0: I think, like, very subtly, I feel like, uh, He's putting the moves on Nancy, but like also like not really like it definitely seems to be like a professional relationship. But I think like the way that my like movie narrative go, I'm like, well, no, that's like, you know, he's only talking to her because he wants to get laid. Like that's like the, the shitty part of my brain because I'm like, that's what Hollywood has taught me. Um, this is another case of um, where Nancy is trying to say something, even as an adult amongst another adult, they're kind of like. No. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Not being listened to, not being believed.
0: Yeah. That's like the motif of Nancy's life. She must have just been like, no one listens to me ever. I say things that are really hard for me to say. Like this scene is clearly, it's difficult for her to say this because she understands how crazy it sounds. And she wants to help these people
1: and she knows how to speak his language too. like she's trying to convince him Just of the simple fact of let's try this experimental drug. I'm on it And he that's part of why he doesn't believe a thing that she has to say because she's on drugs Mm -hmm. Which isn't a really good position for him to be in as a psychoanalyst Mm -hmm. to you know Diminish other people because they're on pharmaceuticals that he himself prescribes but oh well
0: I like that they had that conversation before their food arrived. Seems kind of awkward, huh? Like, it'd be an awkward eat after that. Like, after they had, like, this argument about, like, you put them on these drugs because they're in the real danger. No. And, like, even the way, like, Nancy, like, pulls her chopsticks out and is just kind of, like, breaking them apart. I'm like, oh, man, that's going to be, like, a very
1: awkward dinner. Not really, because you know what town we're in. Four seconds later, it's going to be, like, best tie in Springwood. Yeah. And everyone will just ignore it.
0: This whole sequence. This, um... I always thought was um stop motion, but they did slow dissolves like the fucking Wolfman to get uh, this effect. Nice. This is
1: like fuck
0: man. Like I love the, the the visuals in this movie so much. Because you have so many showcase sequences, right? Like how many you like a lot of people, that worm scene
1: mm-hmm. would have
0: been it. That that would have been the end of the movie.
1: Yeah, exactly. But instead, we open on this, and then
0: oh, this we have
1: so this very brutal tendons puppet master scene, oh. which I will always stick in my mind as probably the most grotesque oh, thing I, in this film.
0: I agree. I 100 percent agree. You know, like it just makes you like,
1: Ugh, yeah, you like can't no. help but cringe. Um, he acts it very, very well too. Mm-hmm. Um, how how would your face look if somebody pulled all your tendons out?
0: <laughs> have a nice stroll, <laughs> asshole. He's so good. It's like that face that he's making, that is about my face that I would be making because it so conveys, like, that hurts so much. Yeah. And it's like every, you know that every, every point of resistance, (laughs) every point of resistance that he would give to that pulling would be agony. Agony absolute
1: agony and i like i have a big problem with achilles tendon trauma oh me too oh, especially me after too. uh pet Cemetery. but oh, seeing yeah. yeah and seeing this it isn't quite as uh, as disturbing to watch to me i just love it and i love the effects that they've done how it looks so goddamn realistic it's such a simple thing mm-hmm. you see people dressed up like with that much trauma to their faces during zombie walk. So it's not like a hard thing to achieve. It's just done so well. And when it's Mm -hmm. kept wet, it looks even better.
0: I like this, like smashing the window. Like all these kids are um, doers. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what I like about them. It's like, now, now's the time to talk. It's like, he's fucking Lassie in this scene
1: what timmy's in the well
0: (laughs) i love this sequence like the bang bang and then he swings his arm bang like it's so cinematically beautiful to me like and there's such like a satisfying rhythm to it Mm -hmm. when he's doing it this is (laughs) baffling to me though like why on earth like would he bring them like we'll all yell at the window together maybe they don't think maybe
1: someone will have an idea That's like, what else can he do? Yeah,
0: like, I guess, like, they don't have enough time, right? Like, they don't have enough time to get there. Fuck that. That's so cool. Cut the strings. Down he goes. Splat.
1: Um, Such a terrifying idea. But then, I don't know, it sort of gives you hope as a 14-year-old thinking like, well, maybe there was something supernatural in some of the suicides I've known thus far. mm -hmm.
0: A little shred of hope. I was always thinking about, like, so when you're doing group again, do you um, do you like do you make the circle smaller now because you got less chairs, or do you leave that one chair empty? That's kind of a downer. I guess you will just like fill the chair.
1: Yeah, I'd fill the chair. Someone can put their feet up now. You know, use it for will. Mm-hmm. There's the chair, I guess, against the wall.
0: Oh, that's true. This is where Kristen comes in with her uh, idea. And instantaneously, everyone dismisses it, this idea about um, that Freddy is trying to divide them, trying to put, pit them against each other because of the stress.
1: Which is somewhat ridiculous. You know, you can sleepwalk with your eyes wide open. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that and just throwing that out there because of Will saying that his eyes were open. He must have been awake. no, no, no. no. But... I mean, that's not the point here. We're Mm -hmm. not arguing
0: Mm -hmm. that. And this is the, this is the point where the Elm Street kids, they are, um, like, this is, um, this is the idea where the Elm Street kids are like definitely scared because they've all had this collective dream and now this dream has killed one of them. And so they all believe that their lives are in danger. It's good. I like that everyone's on board with the exception of, uh, you know, obviously the authority figures in this situation.
1: Hard goons, hard goons coming hard in to Kincaid. Kin- Shoot him up with something. Calm down.
0: Yeah, I love Kincaid. Like, I like first of all the the high energy of the performance is so good, yeah. and that's the type of like I feel. Um, uh when back into a corner, like I feel like my temper would get the better of me and I would be like the Kincaid. I would constantly be getting thrown in because I just don't like don't like being told what to do <laughs> in any certain scenario. I'd have a very hard time in an environment like this.
1: That's kind of an odd thing when I think about it. There's nothing no one in these movies that I necessarily do really truly relate to. There's I no think... one who would behave the way that I think I would behave. Yeah.
0: Well, I think, like, for me, like, you're, uh, like, I can see, obviously, like, I wouldn't suggest that there's, like, a one-to-one correspondent. Oh, no, no,
1: no, not at all.
0: But, um, yeah, like, I always feel like the, the brushstrokes for a lot of these characters are wide enough in most horror films. In Nightmare, like I was saying in the previous episode, it definitely seems to be that every character has a hook beyond, listen, like, I, not to criticize anything, but I find a lot of times with horror films, um, the the broad palettes that they uh, paint characters with it comes down to fashion. This person's dressed like a punk, so you're supposed to know who that is. This person's yeah. preppy, you're supposed to know who that is.
1: And their parent personalities rarely mesh. And if they do, then it's caricature.
0: Exactly. Whereas in the nightmare films, a lot of these kids are all dressed very similar. Like they're all they all kind of look like kids from the '80s, right? Yeah. But they have definitive personality things, right? Um, where, uh, where, and it gets further exemplified in the way that Freddie chooses to dispatch most of them. Watching TV. Jennifer is going to be watching, uh, like a defunct late night show with fucking Zaza Gabor in it.
1: I love the inclusion of Zaza Gabor. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> I would love to age like Zaza Gabor.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh yeah, what an interesting human being!
0: Just getting more fabulous as the years roll on.
1: Yeah,
0: I like uh, Max, like Lawrence Fishburne's character in this film. I like it a lot. You know, it'd be so easy to be, oh, he's like like this guy. Right. It's so easy to be this fucking clown when you're getting, like, you know, because Halloween, too, they have like, here's this freaking gross ass dude. And then and then this one, they have this gross ass dude. Um, but whereas like Max is like, oh, good, like an actual human being works in this. And
1: fucking- giving thought to the kids and their plight, you know, and his idea of them um, all being children of hippies and all the acid has, has created this spate of suicides. Uh, isn't too far-fetched because at least he's thinking there's something linking all of these cases. Mm-hmm. This isn't just you know the the fall of society showing up in a bunch of teens that are like mm-hmm. sex, drugs, and rock and roll. He's he thinks there's something else that's linking all of these kids together. At least he's thinking in the right direction.
0: Like this guy going to uh, a young a teen girl who has suffered from substance abuse um saying when she says that she's not into that anymore in like draws attention and insults her track lines then says like you should come get high with me like and if you ever want a history lesson like that is the most ghoulish fucking thing that I can possibly like more than if it was just like a sexual come on like it like to me that is like the most flagrant like disregard for a patient
1: <laughs> yeah totally and unfortunately at the time, even when there were less constraints and mm-hmm. less background checking and people had been, like, grandfathered into these jobs mm-hmm. that they didn't do very well, weren't cut out for and exploited, it was probably, like, not that rare to have creeps like that in these situations.
0: Do you ever think that, like, uh, Jennifer was is just someone who is um, doing self-harm? Or do you think that this was... Her early stage attempts to try to stay awake.
1: Staying awake, definitely. Because mm-hmm. her wanting to be an actress, I don't think self harm's really high on her agenda. Marring her skin and body and anything for any future roles is mm-hmm. probably a no no. I really think it's only to stay awake.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Fucking Sazakapur.
1: Like you really hate Zaka-Poor, like huh?
0: I don't hate her. It's just like she. <laughs> who cares what the fuck you think so good no i don't hate her i think it's hilarious that she's included in the movie
1: oh yeah i mean the only other inclusion i could see being really as as memorable um at the time and something that um a talk show host could turn around and say in the guise of freddie cooper or not who gives a fuck what you think um uh, maybe richard simmons at the time would have been funny yeah richard simmons probably would
0: have been funny and you want to talk about... Liberace.
1: I, that would have Liberace. been a good one, too. Someone that's highly recognizable.
0: Mm-hmm. This effect here of the sort of like vacuumed Freddy head coming out. Big break. Welcome to primetime, bitch. Fuck, man. Man, do people love that line.
1: Yep. I, I love that line.
0: I love that line, too. I love this that is-
1: effect. I love that look. I love everything about this TV.
0: Yeah. Ad lib line. Yeah. Now yeah. you
1: um that that is
0: okay, so I can understand. Philip dies and that looks like a suicide. Uh what is the it's like so did Jennifer kill herself too? Did Jennifer jump three feet in the air and ram her head at full speed into the TV?
1: She must have had a chair that she kicked out from under her or something. Mm-hmm. That's the only way I could explain that as a suicide. I am forever freaked out by nuns. I it, don't know it, what it is. Is it
0: the full habit?
1: No. Cuz I'm not freaked out by any cultures that wear full coverings of any sort. Mm. I actually think it looks quite beautiful actually, but there's something about nuns in particular that I just do not trust. And I've never been in a situation where I wouldn't trust a nun, you know what I mean? Like never
0: been never been around the finger knockers?
1: No, no. And I've never like I was never Catholic. I was never in a Catholic school or anything Mm. at all. It's all nightmare based. It's all based on the grey nuns of Madawa and all their Mm. hospitals burning down. That's it's all nightmare based. But and I don't know exactly what it is about them either, because mm, just freaked out by nuns. And I had toyed with the idea of becoming a, a woman of the cloth. Cool. Becoming cloistered.
0: It's like when Batman had a fear of bats and he became a bat. Yeah. Uh, it's like you becoming nun nun woman.
1: Just like <laughs> defeat my fears.
0: And then people like you break into people like. Robbing a bank, and you're like, "I'll be having none of it."
1: That sounds like the best movie ever. <laughs> and I was, I was really intrigued by the uh, precious sisters of the precious blood monastery, where they're cloistered, and all you, all you can ever see of them is their fingertips. I'm very fascinated by that sort of lifestyle.
0: Good old Malaysian dream doll. I thought this was a cute little inclusion. I just like the idea of like. Her uh, having like a little bric-a-brac. Not like a million things. It's not like she's like filled her house with like Guatemalan worry dolls or anything like that. But I just, uh, I just like the inclusion of like this Malaysian dream dog. He steals it at the end of the movie.
1: Me and my sister used to have uh, worry dolls and mm-hmm. little bags under our pillows. Yeah, me too. Yeah.
0: This is where... Uh, like Nancy is wearing like the quintessential '80s attire, like the sweater dress type situation.
1: <laughs> I like a good sweater dress, and that color looks great on her. She looks fantastic. One of the few things that aren't fucking red and green.
0: I know, right? You know, it's um, and even at the funeral, like she when she walked up to him when he was talking to the gun, she, she looked, looked wonderful. She looked like
1: I was dynamite. going to point out that fascinator on her, and it's just a beautiful goth. Sunday afternoon outfit, and that was a very beautiful service too, and a wonderful mm-hmm. looking graveyard. Yet mm-hmm. again, I get treated to another beautiful graveyard scene.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Other oh, circle circle group is a little a little quieter.
1: <laughs> well, at least they won't run out of chairs.
0: That's true. Now they get now someone can put their feet up. This is um, the highest and best use of bringing back an old character to tell the story of uh, what this is. But the great the, the thing that I love about this film, honestly, now that I'm thinking about it, is not only do we get this library scene of child murderer, this, the stuff that we, the audience, know about Freddy Krueger, we're going to get even more background later on with the nun right so it reestablishes the lore so to let you know that yes the previous movie happened and this is this is the story as you know it and oh there's a little bit of extra information that we'll hear later that will add to like the mythology of this character to make him like, this, like like a, a, like like the story of an old demon or something like that. It's crazy.
1: It reminds me somewhat of Slenderman mythology. And I guess people who developed Slenderman, um, the myth, mm-hmm. had this to draw on as well. Because mm-hmm. it is very similar. Having someone describe someone from your dreams. Having someone describe someone you thought was a fantasy or a dream entirely.
0: So they know at this point, um, the, Elm, the Elm Street kids, this posse, talking about the fact that, like, their parents never spoke of it. And, uh, you know, Taryn rightfully says, like, what do you do? You, like, our parents are going to tuck you in at night and say, BT dubs, we torched some guy. Um, they wouldn't say BT dubs in the 80s, but they, um, but then also this idea of really focusing on the fact that, Kristen has this ability, and if she has an ability, you could intuit that other Elm Street kids might have this ability, right? If the if the rules of the dream are different than a normal dream, then you know you could all like maybe if you're lucid dreaming, you could theoretically do anything.
1: Yeah, make decisions and not have the dream tug you along, mm-hmm. and maybe it would be the reason whether they knew the story of Fred Krueger or not. This is something that's developed in them as Elm Street kids to try and keep them a little safer. Some defense mechanism. Then oh. it makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Only one of them has had a chance to develop it. That's all. Maybe.
0: Every time that I see um, a method of hypnosis in a movie, they're always different, right? They are
1: always different. Uh, this is my favorite.
0: Yeah. So I'm always like, which one's the one that would actually work? I wonder. I wonder. You
1: have to try them all. I think I'll just fill my house outside of like horror knickknacks or candles with like hypnotic devices. Oh my god! Pendulums, clicking balls, this thing, swinging chains, watches on chains, spinning coins. I like the one that they use. There's a particular type of seizure. That you can test with children where you hold a piece of paper about put a foot in front of their face and have them blow on mm-hmm. the paper. I bet you that would send somebody into hypnosis if it sends someone into a seizure. Mm-hmm. Well, didn't work. Guess we're all uh, awake, wide awake.
0: It's pretty cool. I do love how um, we as the audience could maybe guess because Nightmare on Elm Street fucks with your perception yeah. constantly. Yeah. Um, So you'd think to yourself, oh, maybe it didn't work. But then you're saying, oh, hang on a second. And the second you get to this scene, you could pretty much guess, oh, yeah, this dream or this hypnosis definitely worked.
1: And at this point, we've been convinced that Freddie can really do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. If you can fall asleep standing straight up Mm -hmm. in mid daylight with people around you, then they Mm -hmm. could definitely have fallen asleep here. Yeah. And then we're kind of hoping they're not asleep because Joey's. Gonna have a rendezvous.
0: Oh, a late night tryst with a nurse.
1: Rarely, as a young girl, was I in France with the naked female form like I was with the body of this nice woman here.
0: Quite unreal. Quite unreal. It's, it's, uh, it, it, I get it.
1: Like Tracy Lords. She was right up there with Tracy Lords in my mind. Hmm. Clicky balls. I love clicky
0: yeah, balls. I love those, too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Hey, wait. Either we're dreaming or this is phantasm.
0: Yeah, it's like does everyone... <laughs> they just, like, the bury into people's heads. Or are we? You're not in group anymore. It's so funny. Um... If you had seen this character walking the entire time, you wouldn't have you wouldn't notice it at all. But since he's been a chair in a chair for the entire film, the second he can stand up, like I was like, oh, he's got such weird proportions. Like it's, mm-hmm. he looks so weird standing up. She's always wanted to do gymnastics, I guess. Watch out. It's funny. I like that. Um, Everyone else's, uh, everyone else's, um, a bower, a uh, powers, are like very abnormal. I mean, Will's like straight up doing magic, and Kate is like has the strength of like a thousand men, a thousand men. But like <laughs> uh, Kristen is just like I just want to be able to do gymnastics. That is a very possible. So is um Taryn as well.
1: But Taryn's tough to begin with, too. I wouldn't want to back her in the corner. She's like a, a squirrel. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, to see her, she, her her power in her dreams is to have fucking cool hair, I guess, because cool she's really not much different. I guess if I had a dream power, according to my dream last night, I had pumpkin cheesecake, so that's what I do. <laughs> that's my big thing. I'm also beautiful and bad, so I will let you know.
0: Yeah, she's got switchblades and cool punk hair. I... Um, I uh.
1: I'm very distracted. You're very distracted by these wonderful boobs. These are pretty much exquisite tits. Um, <laughs> If you ever need, like, a, a picture of exquisite tits, if you're ever going to get a boob job done, and you need to go to the doctor and be like, what they say? What do you want? And say, like, I need these. Because they're perfect. They're mm-hmm. absolutely perfect. I always
0: thought that this was pretty freaky, though, that, like, first of all, the look on her face, and then the weird... What they're doing
1: with her eyes. It's so subtle. There's so many little subtle things here.
0: Mm-hmm. The weird, like, tongue bondage.
1: I love this. I love the first time I saw this, aside from being like, wow, that woman's body is the most perfect female form I've ever seen in my life. Um, then when it took this turn, I was intrigued, like, edge of my seat, just, uh-huh. what the fuck are they going to do <laughs> with this? Absolutely tapping into the worst nightmares imaginable.
0: Mm-hmm. That pit is so cool with all those skeletons just adorning it, basically.
1: One of the first nightmares I ever remembered, I was probably about three years old, and I dreamt that my mother had put my potty in the basement. Mm. And I had to go down into the basement. We had a crawl space, earth floor basement in this particular house. That I had to go down to the basement to use a potty. And I had to go pee really, really bad in my dream. And my father walked me down the basement stairs, which were rickety and scary. And said, you have to use your your potty down here. And I was crying and complaining. And then I dreamt that my mother jumped down the stairs wearing a Joker mask and a jester hat and scared me. And I fell down into the potty, into a pit not unlike that skull adorned fiery hellhole into a hell mouth that I uh, fell into a hell mouth. And that was very first nightmare I can remember. Very, very young. So what Joey's just, uh, going through with this bed over the hell mouth. I can really relate to
0: one of my earliest dreams I can remember is where all my toys came to life.
1: Oh, that sounds like fun.
0: It was, except it was kind of freaky. You had a big plastic crocodile that ate a bunch of other stuff, including, uh, uh, a hologram mirror that I, uh, a hologram ruler that I had with like dinosaurs on it. Oh. And I I remember my brother and I walking someplace with like a white picket fence. And he says the line, I'll never forget this. I wonder how my play is doing. <laughs> 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 Can you imagine if you were a rational human being and you walked into a room where everyone's sleeping in a circle and Joey is just collapsed on the floor and he's in a deep coma
1: <laughs> nah. it's like
0: what happened in it here? sounds
1: like a regular day on this particular floor of this particular facility mm-hmm. they all seem pretty chill about it now he's got a breathing tube he'll be fine
0: true is that what he's supposed to tell his parents though I like that there's, like, here's a random authority guy. Like, he's randomly, like, in charge of the facility, I guess, like that. This is the only scene that's in this movie. I think that, like... Elizabeth is like, you brought this on yourself. I'm like, you did it. You did it all being a cranky old lady.
1: I don't find her too cranky. I think she's pretty, pretty regular and pretty balanced for the person that she's playing Um, up against all these weird, crazy ideas. Because there is like a a sea change going on in psychiatric care at the time. We're coming out of electroshock therapy and constant bondage Mm -hmm. and chemical bondage, chemical restraint uh, to group therapy, gestalt or gestalt therapy—I'm not sure how to pronounce it—and um, cognitive behavioral therapies, things that aren't drug-based, and thinking of of therapeutic drugs, not drugs to restrain, restrict, and sedate. Mm-hmm. Right. So there is a huge sea change, and he was representing that—you know—push-pull of that sea change, where you have Heather Lagenkamp's character of Kristen on one side. Um,
0: the new generation of, of, of people in psychiatric care coming in. Yeah.
1: Out. And the old guard in Elizabeth, who is this doctor that just wants everyone tied to their beds. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll change bedpens. That's what we do. That's, that's all we need to do as far as psychiatric care, quote unquote.
0: And this is a time in the 1980s where there was new language being formed around. Like much back, like back in the 1950s, the, the term that was thrown around was uh, your, if your child was a juvenile delinquent – if that was something that you needed to like pay attention to, and what's and what's the cause of a, a juvenile delinquency, and uh, and the interest in sadomasochism, and 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 all those kind of stuff that, that people would say that these kids were doing, and these kids being driven to murder and suicide and uh, and homosexuality and all this other stuff. And then in the 1980s, they started adopting the: Is your child at risk? Are you? Do you have a kid at risk? About Getting entangled with drug addiction, getting uh, uh, committing suicide, anything like that. Again, ignoring the larger problems, which were pretty. Uh, like children have, like uh, if they were the nucleus of their own world. Just outside of that would be their family, if they have a traditional family or not. I don't know. But wherever, you know, they don't want to start looking there. That's not the problem. Parents were always just like, I don't know what's wrong with this. I don't know why this person. It's very typical
1: of of victim blaming and just everyone um, turning a blind eye to the larger problem. Mm -hmm. When reading or listening to a lot of podcasts, of course, as I do about serial killers. They're talking about the triad, about the the bedwetting and the torturing animals and all that. Um, How they're just thinking now a little more clearly about it, how it is. Uh, symptoms of a child that is abused not mm-hmm. just a natural serial killer being born mm-hmm. again children of parents through that any time when they're being caught as a serial killer or being diagnosed with big psychological problems the parents saying I don't know what's wrong with them mm-hmm. that's why I think I like Amanda so much oh really yeah she doesn't blame her son
0: her wait, her her son <laughs> This is where Neil basically I I wouldn't call this a dream state but this is definitely like being led by a spiritual force brings him to an old closed down section of this psychiatric ward that was a church you know a lot of times like hospitals and stuff like that would have church attachments in them anyone that was here for an extended period of time like could.
1: those horrible gray nuns Yes. Yes. They usually had a chapel. Like most hospitals have a chapel.
0: That's not Bastard Son of a Hundred Maniacs. It's a it's a wonderful way to put that. It's very haunting, very dark. The idea that this young girl this young girl was left in the psychiatric ward and the the, the, Over Christmas. Over Christmas. And like they just had to like it was over Christmas. Yeah. It's like Candyman. It's like, and then the bees came and ate him. No, uh, it was over Christmas and being raped hundreds of times, and then she became pregnant. Um, and this is where this sister is offering a solution: the vigilante justice that destroyed Freddy Krueger left his body unburied. So, and his evil
1: spirit free to roam.
0: Exactly, you need to bury him in con- uh, concentrated ground, consecrated, <sighs> consecrated ground. Pardon me, but um, the uh, so it's v- the the religious overtones in this film are very interesting to me. Very interesting to me because they don't. I mean, yes, uh, they use. Uh, religious iconography throughout the franchise crosses and, and whatnot.
1: Here and there, usually as a mode of protection and something that's like, well, that's not going to save you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like they do in a lot of horror films. But mm-hmm. up until this point, um, we didn't think of any sort of religious beginnings or endings to mm-hmm. Fred whatsoever. And it is really sacrilegious to begin with because any any woman could be raped. It doesn't it, I don't think he particularly needed to be born of a nun um but born of a hundred maniacs
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah absolutely
1: i don't know if really really burying him in consecrated ground is going to do all that she hopes it will do this uh, but I aged mean, nun
0: That's true if if we if if that per- oh, this person's a nun that means it would probably be safe to infer that they have absolute conviction in their yeah. religious beliefs so i mean it would be Oh, if there's an evil spirit that used to be a living person, their body wasn't given a a proper burial. So that's why it's happening. Oh, yeah, they're going to sedate her. I was like, why is she freaking out again? Oh, man.
1: The same reason she freaked out last time.
0: Yeah, because they're going to sedate her.
1: The only time that she freaks out. Otherwise, she's calm as a kitten, swan in a pond. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. No, we've seen a scroll across uh, Joey's body was uh, come and get him. Come and get him, bitch.
1: Come and get him, bitch. Mm -hmm. And that's part of why I would have liked to read Wes Craven's original script is apparently according to um, Never Sleep Again, the sprawling documentary, it was far more rough and there was a lot more of that sort of attitude from Fred Krueger.
0: Your asshole belongs to me.
1: Yeah. Wonderful stuff that I would have loved to see <laughs> linked to visuals.
0: Oh, look, it's old Nightmare on Elm Street alum, John
1: Saxon. Still a cop. It, oh, wait. Not quite. Wait. Uh, that says security. Maybe maybe succumb to the drink, much like his ex-wife.
0: It's interesting to me that that is what happens to this character. That he basically...
1: Breaks down, Yeah, because,
0: because he, in the first film really was the uh the most think he was rational walked to that police station he's giving orders he's a lieutenant yeah right and you know he's a respectable man and he definitely but he definitely seems to be that let sleeping dogs lay like here fred krueger is dead i always had a little trouble understanding that like just leave it alone so that's how come i've always believed that like this movie basically takes into account the ending where he saw Fred Krueger kill his ex-wife and she floated underneath the bed. And so, like, to me, that all happened because that seems like something that could break this man. Like, he's a broken man.
1: Completely. And now it is not only the burden of guilt, it's his burden of secret because he's never going to admit that that came back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Poor fella. And I wonder how many people that end up in in a similar situation to this, mm-hmm. it is because of secrets and guilt, not necessarily being addicted to a substance or having an addictive personality or all the other mm-hmm. things.
0: And I don't even think it's like, I wouldn't even say like, well, I don't know, like maybe he it, the implication is that he's supposed to be an alcoholic at this point. But it could just be like self medicating, right? Like he's just, he's just like depressed all the time. Mm -hmm. So maybe if he was happier about things, he would find the, he'd be able to quit drinking cold turkey. Like it's not something that necessarily owns him just yet. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I really, I really don't.
1: Bring straight through to the common room.
0: Yeah. I had a friend of mine that had to go uh, through through a psychiatric uh, ward, and I used to call, uh, check in on her occasionally, and I used to call the, the common room, and I'd always get, like, the, a random person and Yeah, I'd always have to, like, can you go and get so-and-so for me? And they're like, okay. And then, like, you know, you, <laughs> they go through it, yeah.
1: It's kind of cool because if someone's on a ward for longer than a 72-hour observation, I guess that just becomes, like, de rigueur, like – Oh, the phone in the common room is ringing. Who's closest? I'll just pick it up. Like mm-hmm. a payphone or something. Payphone downtown. Yeah. It's, like. it's neat that he knows the number off by heart.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally.
1: That's one thing that's a very dying skill, people remembering phone numbers. These oh,
0: my days. God. I, I remember my phone numbers of my youth. I remember my grandparents' phone number. I remember my mom's old work number. I remember, like, all kinds of stuff, certainly my own. But I can't tell you, like, my mom's current phone number. I can't tell you anything like that. Like, I just don't know.
1: Yeah, isn't that wonderful?
0: Yeah. Now my brain's got plenty of room in it for facts about Freddy (laughs) Krueger. She's just trying desperately to uh, stay up, I guess.
1: And it's really wonderful that a blonde girl made it this far in the film. You know what I mean? Considering the first film, we're pretty much convinced that she was going to bite it. No pun intended. When she was getting gnawed on by the Freddy Krueger worm because of that, you know, almost Hitchcock blonde illness that had been, uh, that took yeah. over the
0: first Yeah, well, I mean, it was very deliberate, right? Tina was always meant to be uh, a bit of a red herring.
1: Yeah. So it's nice to see a... Uh, a blonde and a black man make it through.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Kincaid fucking holding it down, man. Oh, I love it. And it's almost like, but it's almost like, oh no, we're back to we're back to normal now. We'll have our brunette come back and and pass the torch on to a blonde, mm-hmm. like God intended. <laughs> oh, no, it's like this um, that he like swipes holy water and shit.
1: Is it any less holy when you steal, steal it?
0: Um, so holy water is a, is a very interesting, uh, practice. But, um, no, it, it, it maintains its divinity once it's been blessed by, uh, whatever, uh, a father is, uh, residing over that church. They can even be blessed by like, like, as long as you are a member of the church, like, as a, like, a, a priest or whatever, you can bless it, and it should be good to go. It is it is considered always blessed.
1: Even if you, like, put it in a, in a little whiskey airplane bottle and shove it up I w- your ass? I would then... say almost especially. Yeah? Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, but once thing, one, like, uh, uh, a blessing... Uh,
1: is it still holy, like, if you drink it and then you pee it out into another bottle?
0: I'm going to say... It, Let's say it's about fifty percent less holy, because okay. you can you can drink your own urine only a few times before it becomes like absolutely toxic. Right?
1: Yeah, so yeah.
0: yeah, so I think uh, I think it's like okay for a little bit.
1: That makes sense. Okay, that or by the time it's super toxic urine, and you shouldn't drink it anymore, mm-hmm. or even once. But I mean, like anymore, I wonder if it's even holier.
0: I don't know, because there are like levels of prayers that you can bestow on something, right? And it's usually a good idea if you're trying to keep something inanimate uh, as holy as possible. You need to redo it every so often to like mm-hmm. sort of reinforce that because it can wane as something evil is particularly trying to chip at it.
1: Cool. cool. Yeah. if anyone ever gives me holy water, I'll just uh, make sure to pack it in salt under moonlight for a little bit to clean it out. <laughs> this is one of my more favorite sequences. I think it's the lighting change. It's the change in, in lighting. and like the
0: blues and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah,
1: I do. And the more, you know, it's almost like a return to the boiler room in a way. Mm-hmm. Even though it's not with the reds and the sweaty and the steam and the gunk.
0: It seems, though, that wherever Freddie' power lies seems to be in very industrial areas. Mm -hmm. Like, that seems to be the constant theme. You are looking at places of industry, you are looking at places that are worn metal, places where blue-collar work happens, like, the places that maintain higher society, so... You have junked cars, you get rid of them so we don't see those ugly cars. A groundskeeper keeps property nice for the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. But, um, but then of course, just below the surface of that is the deep, dark, dirty boiler room that regular people don't go to. And, and we'll take like our most precious, most innocent things, which are children, and we'll bring them down into that depth. And that is where Freddy's evil lies. I think it's very appropriate that he is, for lack of a better term, buried for all time in a forgotten trunk of a car, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to talk with someone like Amy Jane Vosper or Mm. the girls at Faculty of Horror Mm. about the masculine feminine of it all and how um, in in beds, Mm. which is a far more feminine place compared to the boiler room or Mm. the salvage yard where people are almost instantly vulnerable mm-hmm. in, in that sort of setting, but then you go to a, a little more masculine, hard-edged, mm-hmm. darker setting, mm-hmm. then you might have a leg to stand on. Well, except Will here until he goes yeah. to sleep. Then you'll have two legs to stand on. But, yeah, I, I would love to see the masculine-feminine like ideas dissected a little further because it's one movie I've never really read very deeply on is uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, one mm-hmm. through a million. I've never read any thought or any academia and think pieces.
0: Mm-hmm. There's a fascinating uh, book that exists. Uh, I've talked about it previously on other episodes, and, of course, like right now the name is escaping me. I think it's uh, Shock Valley
1: Okay,
0: is the name of the book, and I've talked about it because it really delves into uh, – what, what Wes Craven's obsession with the gothic and the gothic body and uh, and, and and stuff like that about what Freddy represents about and it really really delves psychologically. It really is a think piece about mostly Nightmare on Elm Street one because that, because they're yeah. they're using uh, Wes Craven as um, as an example of a, an auteur director and the themes that he seems to consistently go with. But that's how come like. I, uh, like it really made me perk up and pay attention to like the themes in which uh Nightmare on Elm Street uh deals with. Even if like you understand that like Dream Warriors was made, it was made to appeal to teenagers. It was like, it was it, it was where Freddy Krueger really broke out into the mainstream in a big bad way. He was the,
1: welcome to prime time, bitch. welcome to, prime, welcome by, to yeah. prime time, Freddy Krueger.
0: Yeah, exactly. So. It really... that This movie was the big change. Like, the other movies did well, but this movie did incredibly well. And uh, Freddy Krueger became, like, a huge icon. I love this sequence so much. It's so pretty.
1: It is so pretty, and it reminds me sort of of the ballroom scene in Labyrinth. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It does. It's just really, really reminiscent of that. Mm. And, oh, everything's back to normal.
0: This is the thing where, like, you could definitely be like, oh... Was that a whole precognitive dream? And it, it
1: suddenly makes me hungry for a tablespoon of coffee and peanut butter. Oh. I haven't eaten that since I was this age, you know. <laughs> oh, God. Which is disgusting. Absolutely
0: disgusting. It definitely seems like like stoner food or something
1: like that. I didn't do drugs. So <laughs> I don't know. Oh, my God. It was God. just like, I don't know, wanting to stay up and do art all night food.
0: Yeah, but it really is, here's the new sequence. And um, it's different because now she appreciates her mom. She's like, oh, mom, you haven't sent me off to the fucking loony bin just yet.
1: I love this scene. I love this scene. It's- I was so happy when this broke down and it wasn't just a dream. Because I hadn't seen enough horror movies at the time, I guess, that I wasn't like, ah, it's going to be a dream. I was like worried that it had been all a dream.
0: Yeah. And this is like the most um, darkly comedic thing in the movie for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, Welcome to Primetime is a good one-liner. So is like, Let's Get High and all that kind of stuff. But this is like Freddy Krueger. In a suit. In a suit. Like, holding a mother's head. Like, I said, where's the fucking bourbon? <laughs> like,
1: you ruin everything. You
0: ruin everything. <laughs> like, it's. It's so good.
1: And it's a pretty good decapitated head. Pretty pretty good. Yeah, I like it. And back to my favorite house, which made filtered light never look the same again. Oh my god, yeah. And for anyone with a fear of needles, you know, next to the needle pit and saw, too... Mm-hmm. I, I think that this is probably the most uh, unnerving. Mm-hmm. Not that I, like, I have no problem with needles. I had a hospital trip recently and there was needles involved. I don't, like, I've had my blood taken numerous times. I've had injections. I just, I'm not. Oh, Taryn, I didn't remember that. Yeah, Adorable Tarin, graffiti. Taryn plus, plus Freddy.
0: Yeah. I love that uh-huh. she, like, pulls out those switchblades, like, dual switchblades. It's like, and then she, like, spins them a little bit, in a little bit. It's, uh. So good, so good.
1: I have a friend that looks very similar and has an affinity for knives and owns very many of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm wondering if I could mm-hmm. talk her into dressing up as Terran for Halloween some year. And I'll just walk around in a hospital nightgown, I guess.
0: Yeah, that'd be a very good uh, very good sell.
1: Not that I'm going to go up for Halloween, but she would be a dead ringer for a Terran.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Terran's great.
1: Terran is great. And after that sort of... Um, like very comedic almost like mm-hmm. a weird tongue-in-cheek light-hearted Freddie in a suit mm-hmm. we're treated to a very grimy dark inner city Freddy mm-hmm. in a fucking street brawl knife fight for crying out loud yeah
0: oh I, I like that she sticks him under the armpit that's really good yeah th- this is uh pretty good uh, like eventually like we do see like Freddy Krueger at one point get straight-up martial art powers, like, in the later film. Fuck, I love this. These syringe finger things are so cool. Yeah. And just that, that, like... The the,
1: little gaping mouths, little...
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Disgusting.
1: Oh,
0: man. Like... (laughs)
1: <laughs> I, it looks like he's going to blow wide. I know. Wide, he's shooting her out.
0: I know. But, like, the, the the veins just popping all over her body is just, like, just getting pumped so full of drugs.
1: Not even drugs. It's Freddy Gogo juice. Yeah, Freddy Who, who knows, knows it, what it is? Yeah. yeah, I
0: know. It's a blue Kool-Aid, for all we know. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird to me... That Will and Taryn got separated like this. I don't know. In my mind, like, I understand it's a horror movie and people need to die and stuff like that. But I'm always like, no, man, all the dream warriors should live.
1: Like some sort of weird D&D party? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because that's what it is, right? That's what it is to me. It
1: definitely is what it is. But it is a horror movie. And you said it yourself. They need to be separated because they need to die. Yeah. In the worst most horrific wheelchair ever. My oh my gosh.
0: God. But that's like, in a way you get it. Like that's what it feels like, right? Yeah. It's, it's a the, torture device. It's a and, torture device.
1: Well, not as much now, but then, yeah. Uh, motorized wheelchairs weren't that available at the time. Uh, anyone I knew in a wheelchair was definitely in an old fashioned, very uncomfortable wheelchair for life.
0: This line, like the way, uh, Freddie, uh, talks to will in this sense where like he's not he's he, like this he really slows down the pace yes the chair is moving you know, like it's the chair for you kid like i get it but like i love that the delivery of his line maybe out here but when you're back it's back in the saddle again like just that it's, it's like, you know, almost like you're better off in your dreams because real life is worse for you. It's like, see, your biggest problem as a spellcaster, Will, is that you're going into melee range when you are supposed to be, uh, you know, a zoning character. You're supposed to be using your space and your range. That's why you have a fighter going into. Well, he didn't have a fighter though. That's the thing, right? I was like, but he foolishly should have been staying back. You have range. that's why you
1: wanted Taryn there so
0: bad. That's the thing. It's like because so, like Taryn's your rogue, right? She's got your rogue. Like Kincaid's the tank, right? So he's like the the warrior, the fighter character. You know what I mean? Like you really you have your healers. Yeah, you got your healers. His girls are like always
1: that. healers. Or they have
0: invisibility. Problems.
1: Of course they do. <laughs> Sexist bastards. I know. I got your tank here. K to the rescue.
0: Oh, man, I love it. And I love his, like, dream outfit of just, like, red shirt, like, red tank top overalls. Like, he looks like like a freaking video game character. (laughs) Burnt face pussy. Yeah,
1: where were you a minute ago?
0: That's just it. Like, where were you a Mm -hmm. minute ago?
1: He was bending metal bars in half and laughing. <laughs>
0: Just sitting there like, it's like, where's Kincaid? We're really getting our asses kicked out here. And he's like, I can't believe I can bend all these bars.
1: I'd have to look because I don't remember entirely everything in my life. But I'm pretty sure that Hulk Hogan was a thing around this time. And he seems to have this, this very vague Hulk Hogan color scheme going on here.
0: Well, I mean, Hulk Hogan would have like... Yellow uh, and red. Yellow and red. He has and yellow like and
1: red on his shoes. It's a yellow on his shoes that made me think very Hulk Hogan-y.
0: Mm. Well, when he's tough-talking Freddy Krueger, he is kind of channeling a professional wrestler. Yeah. Call him like a burnt face pussy and stuff like that. Let's snuff this sucker. I like it.
1: Descending into hell. Oh yeah, the wonderful spiral staircases that make me want to vomit when I walk down them in real life.
0: Oh yeah, and what's best about this is like they really are descending into hell. Like there is no uh, subtlety whatsoever. Mm -hmm. It is like fire and brimstone down there. Let me ask you this: I don't know enough about uh, junkyards, but they're driving to this place, Fred Krueger. I don't know. What do you say? He's been since the early 80s, since the kids were kids. So the the Elm Street kids were actually children too young to really remember. So 70s, let's say like, so Fred Krueger died in the 70s. This is taking place in 87. So let's say.
1: Well, they said eight years ago.
0: Okay. So eight years ago. Like car junkyards are not like an infinite place for cars to sit there forever. Would it not be likely that at some point this car would have been like
1: cubed? Cars can sit in a junkyard for a very long time, especially if it's deep in the bowels of the junkyard. Um, a lot of cars are kept for parts. A lot of cars, like it takes time and energy to crush the damn thing. So mm-hmm. if there's just a big pile somewhere, of ones that they'll crush someday and they got nothing better to do which is pretty rare, because it's always something to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, it doesn't seem strange to me that this car will sit there that long. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, totally. I always like got the impression that like uh, that this was made to look like the car in the first movie.
1: Yeah, yeah. They took the bones out of the furnace in the house and put them in here after something really bad happened to all the kids at the end of the first one? Who knows?
0: Yeah, maybe. And this is where, like, John Saxon's like, well, I'm out of here.
1: I don't blame him. He needs a drink by this point.
0: Yeah. And he does have a point here. He did He did say, like, listen, I'll show you where this place is.
1: The beginning of 13 Ghosts in this really remind me of one another as far as the junkyards oh, go.
0: Oh, yeah. good point. Yeah, you're right.
1: I'd hesitate to say that the beginning of 13 Ghosts was ripped off of this sort of thing, this story, but it is vaguely reminiscent, like all of the ghosts and 13 Ghosts are vaguely reminiscent of some other uh, horror hero.
0: I think that when people are creating things and they're really steeped into um, the stuff from their past, because, I mean, there's lots of articles on it that you can read about how this is really a generation of fan... uh last, like, 10, 15 years, it's, like, fan uh, filmmakers who mm-hmm. are just like, I loved xyz as a kid and so i wanted to like do an homage to it and like it's you know it definitely started in the 80s and and stuff like that with like the the generation of auteur horror directors that were directly pulling stuff from like old horror films and science fiction films that they loved as kids Mm -hmm. but um yeah this like this whole fucking sequence like you just want to, you just want to pause the movie and try to look at everything that's in that room. Right?
1: It is a beautiful and very rich set, and it, to me, is Freddy in his element. And Freddy is very home.
0: Oh yeah! If this was, if this was a, a fighting game, this yeah. would be his stage, right? Like his like fucking the Freddy, Freddy, Freddy Krueger level. Entirely. And you like uppercut someone, and they go into that fucking fire pit. I was like, uh Kikade, I don't know if you know this, but you got super strength. Where are you?
1: I like the tongues just wiggling around randomly. Oh yeah.
0: Oh yeah. But, like the tongues are still doing stuff. I love Freddie doing this kip up. When I was uh really hardcore into martial arts, I would like always be doing those kip ups and stuff like that. I'd be like, I'm just like Freddie Krueger.
1: <laughs> oh my god, that's adorable. <laughs>
0: Especially in in, uh, Freddy's Dead, he does like freaking straight up martial arts in that movie where he's like fucking flipping around and shit. I love this shit. I love the the Freddy Krueger expression when he gets hurt by something, like that bug-eyed, like, I can't believe something hurt me. But then, of course, oh... You're wasting your time because...
1: It didn't actually it didn't actually hurt, do anything. And now I can be funny about it.
0: Yeah, so good. And he's going to like, oh, put a little sauce on that. Mmm, tasty.
1: <laughs> it's weird that
0: she says, like, he's never been this strong because th- I don't think uh, he needs an explanation. They're still in the dreamland. Like, he is as powerful as he ever is in dreamland.
1: But you could hit him and stun him at the very least. She just put a iron rod straight through his stomach, mm-hmm. and he made a joke about it, aside from a little bug-eyed moment. Mm-hmm. But it just leads me to believe that she spent more time in this place than she actually has. Mm-hmm. But oh, well, if we're going to take anyone's word for how strong or weak Freddy Krueger is, it's going to be her. So.
0: Yeah, I'll definitely listen to Nancy on this one.
1: Who I mistakenly called Kristen earlier, but yeah.
0: Oh, did you? I didn't even know. I
1: did way earlier, and I was gonna correct myself, but then we're what we're rolling. You know, it's commentary. It's track a commentary. This is so this is all what it's alive. like.
0: This is live unplugged. Sometimes we fuck up.
1: Sometimes cats meow.
0: Sometimes cats meow. Church bells ring. Church bells ring, cars drive past.
1: Horrible cars.
0: So if we ever get accused of over editing our show, which we never have They'll say, this is why. This sequence, uh, the Harryhausen sequence that we're going to be getting to, it's not stop motion, I don't think. I think it's rotoscoping, but, um, they, uh, I, I remember watching this and being kind of confused because I was wondering how much it seemed like Freddy was able to...
1: Be in two places at once. Be in
0: two places at yeah. once. But not only that, but, like, willfully cross over into the waking space. At least in some way. Like, I wouldn't say, like, it's a it's a total and complete... Um, maybe it's just because it's his body?
1: Yeah, I think it's, just, it's the last-ditch effort, sort of, like, his bones are like, whoa, wait a second, if they do anything with these, then I will be able to do the things I want to do, mm-hmm. which is just sit around and terrorize people the rest of my... Like, ghost life, I guess. I don't know. Um, But it's, like, the threat. He musters enough strength to be able to animate the bones, despite him using so much energy where he is right now.
0: This is always um, Freddy's go-to move, right? He's always just, like, one hand choking you, stopping you, other hand right into the gut.
1: That's what I would do if I had knife fingers. That's true. And I'm short, so I wouldn't be able to really pick people up effectively. So I'd probably just knife you in the balls.
0: Uh, It's like, oh, my head. Freddie, what are you doing? I'm burying you.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we've been here before, haven't we? Yeah. Sir, being buried alive. Yeah. Poor fella.
0: I like that. I like that. Like his like victory dance. He's like, I did it. Also, I just got to say, Freddie. I was like, you didn't try it. Like, you put, like, three scoops of dirt on him. You're like, and buried.
1: That's how many scoops it would take to bury those bones, I bet. That's all he could muster.
0: Mm-hmm. That,
1: or he's about to get awfully busy. I
0: love this room so much. Me too. Like, it's just, I love the, the, the coloring. I love all the mirrors. <laughs> oh, I love God. the silliness. Yeah. Yeah. I love that one, the tongue just like. Nah, 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 nah.
1: As much as I am adverse to silliness, especially in, in my villains, I, I, adjo- I adore Freddy in this scene.
0: Mm-hmm. He's so good. This is a really, really cool sequence. Like, just everyone getting pulled into the mirrors, and then Joey gets his one power. He can talk. Like, just trying to, Kincaid just trying to, like, suck it to Freddy right away. This is one of those, um, like, I wish he had, like, more, like, direct, like, sonic powers. But I guess, like, uh, that's, like, the, the comic book fan at me. I'm just like, no, there should be, like, waves of sound. Yeah, that scene looks fantastic. And then you can just talk again.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, he wasn't, like, a, a physical mute. It was all just... It's a psychosis. Psychological, so, uh, yeah. yeah. So, of course, he'd be pretty much fine. He yeah. might have sub-vocalized at night in his dreams and made, like, humming noises to keep everything working. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: I, you know, at this point, Nancy, I just gotta say, could you not think that, like your dad floating into the room on fucking pixie dust might be a ruse. (laughs) It's weird because, like, on the same token, he is saying something that we as the audience knows is true. Like, that he is dead. So maybe, maybe, but I I never fell for this.
1: I certainly didn't fall for this either, except that you kind of want to because you'd like for him to... And like admit to some of this in some way, and you're waiting for that to be coming next. Mm-hmm.
0: And there you have it. The idea of um, anyone can die, right? By the third movie, that that was instilled in Scream, right? Like by the third one, even the even your final girl can die, and Nancy is dispatched,
1: or is she dispatched enough? Yeah. But, like, you know, I, 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 I don't really adhere or care so much for what the fans want, really, personally. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm happy when someone really big bites a desk like that, especially at the get-go, whether it's a red herring, as you say, or just because it works with the story and where the story's going.
0: No, and again, as I was saying, if you are going to uh, – Uh, transfer this I still love these rotoscope effects so much like Mm -hmm. I don't care what anybody says like oh it looks so cheesy I'm like it does not fucking look cheesy it looks amazing and then this cross laid right down and then like that boom right on the head fuck that's so cool
1: yeah I do like this scene a lot
0: yeah and uh I like it because it's really a definitive like I mean look in a way they're all kind of definitive except for the the first one like it's so fucking ambiguous and weird Mm -hmm. but like
1: for the endings to Freddy.
0: Yeah, the endings to Freddy. Um, I'm going to dream you into a beautiful dream forever and ever. I was like, I don't think that was your power, Kristen. Shh, shut up. I'm trying to make, your, I'm trying to make That's her, my power now. That's my power now. The idea of um, Nancy dying heroically, dying uh, when it was right for her story to end, and also the surviving dream warriors... And we have this wonderful funeral scene
1: where they just kept the chair set up from the last one.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, whichever. And you have like, and it's kind of like, you know, the, the, those residents, those residents of, uh, you know, the old Elm Street house. John Saxon's gone now. Nancy died on the same night. Uh, their mother's dead. So like the family is all gone now. So it's kind of like a, a very proper ending, but also helps pass things along to the next. Uh, franchise, like Mm -hmm. properly, properly done. And I really wish people had uh, Bob
1: Shea on their side, forcing them into corners where they need to create a sequel.
0: Like not so much like, well, listen, I mean, like for in terms of like new line, just in general, having like one popular thing that they own. So they wanted to make more of them. I mean, movies, movie making is a business more than anything. Uh, But um, yeah, if you're going to do it, you may as well make it, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I could tell you, I was like, listen, reboots and sequels are happening whether you fucking want them to or not. Yeah. So, you, the the goal is not how do you stop them? The goal is how do you make them yeah, as, try as the best as possible? Make
1: them try harder so that it, you really buy it.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just like, so like, what, did you go into her house and like, this belongs to no one now. You took the Popsicle stick house too.
1: Maybe she brought them to the hospital. To mm-hmm. show the kids, who knows? And see, like to me, that's all you need. Like you don't. That need, like, is the, all you need: the need... light on in the top of the popsicle stick house, mm-hmm. and and the
0: big reveal that we talked over. But the fact that that aged nun was indeed
1: Amanda Amanda Nineteen sixty
0: eight was when she bit the dust.
1: Yeah. Poor Amanda.
0: Yeah. So there you have it. We're hitting on the credits right now of Dream Warriors. We don't get to hear the kickass song. No. Well, I have a sneaking suspicion you might hear it later.
1: Oh, really? Is this what you're doing? Is this what you're doing? Is it, that's the treat or the trick? You know, the <laughs> trick is that we don't get to hear Patron Saint of Plagues. And a super extra awesome thank you for yet another year of Patron Saint of Plagues intro and outro. So yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Andy, and the guys for that. Mm-hmm. Mostly Andy. No, Sandy. Yeah, but yeah. Um, so you're gonna you're gonna dub in another song, maybe. Maybe I don't know. Wonder As what I... song it's gonna be. Man behind the mask. It's maybe like a little Alice Cooper. <laughs>
0: yeah, a little Alice Cooper. I
1: don't know. It's gonna be. I don't know.
0: I'm I'm being all puckish and and cute.
1: Oh, you're you're <laughs> you're funny when you're coy. Um, yeah, that was really fun. I I do appreciate the commentary tracks right now because it's going to be a very busy month in in Lydia land it's Mm -hmm. a busy month in horror land it's a busy month in Ottawa Um, I'm going to be at the CanCon um, festival of Canadian speculative science fiction fantasy horror sort of convention that happens this year I'll be there uh, on the 13th Friday the 13th when you'll be listening to the previous episode so you'll have heard that and then a talk coming up on the twenty first, so I'm busy preparing for that. And a Halloween wedding will be coming up soon, so we'll be preparing for that too. So Somebody's by the time you hear
0: married.
1: By the time you hear this, that will have already happened.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, there'll be another episode being recorded over that time with my darling Chris from Fine Torture Cast. We'll be doing Tokyo Ghoul. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't we'll be doing that before the wedding, so it, it doesn't before sound so weird like a, you know, what did you do on your honeymoon? Recorded a podcast.
0: So do I have to start calling you, like, Miss Bind Torture Cast, or what do I say?
1: No, I'm still Lydia.
0: Oh, still because I always Lydia. thought that Chris's last name was from Bind Torture Cast.
1: Close. close. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I could take on one of those crazy hyphenated last names.
0: Oh, you just keep going and going?
1: Yeah, and put all the <laughs> podcast names in, on, in amongst that, too. That'd be fun.
0: Nice.
1: Yeah.
0: Featuring Dead Air.
1: (laughs) Well, it will be a Halloween featuring West Dead Air Night. So, yeah, Mm. that it it makes for a really good thing because we don't have to edit this episode really. Not really. You know, I might edit some of this end stuff and the beginning stuff where cats meow and church bells ring. Not during the film proper though. So it does Mm -hmm. make it saves us a lot of time. Saves us a lot of time, so I won't be sitting down with my pal Wes until what, like something like the sixth of November or something like that.
0: You know, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a chunky chunky bit of time before we get to sit down, but we will do it. If you guys ever have films that you would like us to cover on the show, just hit me up at Wes Deadairnipe on Twitter, and also never fear because there's always more commentary tracks coming. There's always more Halloween seasons coming. There's always special occasions where I might uh force Lydia into doing something that she doesn't necessarily want to do.
1: Like your birthday or something like that. Yeah. I could live with it. I can live with it.
0: Yeah, but I mean once
1: in a very rare while. Once a year is nice.
0: But we we have covered we have covered the biggies. We have really we have like we've gotten our Michael Myers, we've gotten our Leatherface. We've done a uh, Jason Voorhees. We've done two Freddy Krueger movies now. Mm-hmm. So the Sky is the limit, because if you think we're out of horror movies that everyone knows and loves, you're fucking dead wrong.
1: Oh, The Sky. I'm thinking <laughs> the other direction. I'm thinking maybe for the next commentary uh, extravaganza for our Halloween, we might have to hit Hellraiser, because that's really kind of next on the list. Mm-hmm. Or The Omen. That was another one we sort of tossed around for this mm-hmm. year. Uh, Children of the Corn, maybe?
0: I might force Evil Dead down your throat for my birthday.
1: Oh, wow. Okay, <laughs> then. I'll choke on that. Yeah. So you have some Panels of Blood coming up for the Halloween season.
0: That's right. Uh, So for the Halloween season we are finishing off Archie Palooza so Panels of Blood is going to be The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Uh, The first episode as we uh, are talking right now it has already been released the second episode will be released by the time the first commentary track comes out and so we will be heading into the conclusion of the story by the end of the month uh it's a really fantastic story it's really beautifully written if you like subtle horror in akin to the omen akin to rosemary's baby very heavy emphasis on satanism and witchcraft this is the story for you it is, uh, it is really beautiful. And Sabrina's birthday is October 31st. So I thought it was a little appropriate.
1: Oh, that is wonderful. That mm-hmm. really is. Um, so yeah, the listeners will have like a jam-packed Halloween. If they don't have as jam-packed a Halloween as we have, mm-hmm. then they'll have all sorts of our Nightmare on Elm Street, which isn't the most Halloween-y thing ever. Mm-hmm. Um, there's lots of other Bind Torture cast are doing a Halloween-packed month, mm-hmm. and Sabrina is even more Halloween-y than you think. And just all of the – aside from, like, Afterlife with Archie being, you know, horror um homage and horror fandom mm-hmm. steeped in it, Sabrina's always just being Halloween every day. Mm-hmm. So, you get to regale us with a whole bunch of, like, pumpkins, black cats. Pumpkins,
0: black cats, uh, first days of school. Like, when I think of fall, like, this Chilling Adventures with Sabrina – story is just perfect for it yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and it's a hell of a good read the first episode was a chunky sit so you get like almost an hour of me reading you a damn comic book
1: it's very good too though (laughs) well yeah i'm glad this commentary bullshit's over i mean (laughs) happy halloween you know this is going to be airing a couple days before halloween so i hope everyone does something fun or sits and watches their 31 days of halloween and documents them properly on twitter and instagram so that we can all Curve, you're watching.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, happy Halloween. I am Wes Dead Air Knife, or just I'm Wes Knife.
1: <laughs> and I am typical Lydia.
0: And you've been listening to our super cool Halloween special, Nightmare on Elm Street, Spooktacular on Dead Air. Mm.